Hi, this is Parikh Sam. Uh, welcome to this live uh, Wednesday webinar, uh, where we're looking at the end of our series uh, over the last month, last four weeks at the end of 2021, we've been looking at planning to save capital gains tax. Um, and today's uh, event, which was streaming on Zoom, YouTube and, and Facebook, we're looking at a combination of that um, because one of the best ways to avoid capital gains tax is to die. Now, uh, I'm putting that into context. Um, you know, we've all had a difficult year and everyone's panicking going into the new year. But one immutable fact that we've got in our life is that we are going to die one day. Um, if we're unlucky, it might be sooner. If we're very lucky, it might be later. But we've seen the world population double uh, in the last 20, 30 years around the world. But that's mainly because 45% uh, of the world's population is under the age of 25. And that's where the world's population growth has come from, from medical advances uh, preventing child mortality. So now uh, a family doesn't need to have four or five or six children. Uh, to, to survive and, and grow. Um, and you see in USA and Europe, uh, family uh, birth rates of one to one and a half percent, which obviously is not going to replace the two adults who are the parents. So it's, it's an interesting world we live in, but all those people are going to die. And we've got this imbalance in the world at the moment with the older people and a lot of younger people just coming on stream to, to support that. Capital gains tax is charged on, on the business that we build. So the elders, as they build business, as they own property and that property price that goes up, uh, that creates wealth, which is a, a liability to capital gains. Now, we've covered it in a number of um, webinars in this series. So you can go back, you can watch through those, but how capital gains are taxed to um, uh, is taxed on uh, property sales, on business sales, um, and on investments and personal possessions. That can change uh, around the world depending upon the circumstances. So an expat living and working abroad can choose a, a, a jurisdiction which could give them a, a better uh, tax regime than um, in, a, in, in another country. So in the UK, uh, pro residential property capital gains tax has gone up a lot in the last five years and now stands at 28% high rate taxpayers, whereas in other countries, there's no capital gains tax um, on business sales or property sales or, or a lower rate. So this is what we need to consider for expats who've got business uh, across borders, who have got property in different locations around the world, uh, who may have a tax residence in one country be working in another. How can they best plan to organise their assets so in the long term, not only can they save capital gains tax, they can save inheritance tax for their family as well. Inheritance tax is charged on your domicile, not your tax residence. So your tax residence is where you're living this year and where you're paying tax on your um, uh, um, money, on your income and your wealth. Um, 
where you're from is, is generally um, your country of birth. Uh, it's not that detailed, it, not that specific. It's actually related to your parents' birth as well, what their nationality is. So um, uh, U, uh, UK uh, citizens giving birth to children in Singapore could still have UK citizenship and domicile for their children. It's just that on a temporary expat working contract abroad. Um, conversely, depending upon individual countries, it might be also possible to uh, normalize and, and get residential and citizenship in the country of birth. So after five years, you can get permanent residency and then citizenship between five, 10, 20 years later in the country in which the expat uh, will be born. And that can, that can alter domicile. <clears throat> if, if an expat wants to leave the UK and lose the domicile to the UK, then they need to be doing that over up to 20 years time. So if a, a British uh, citizen leaves to work abroad, age 25 and, and 20 years later, in their late 40s, they're still working abroad um, and they've been essentially a tax resident in one other country for most of that time, which is not the UK, they could change their domicile. After that brief intermission, uh, one of the films I watched over the holiday period in December 21 was Sound of Music, and it's so old, uh, it dates back to the 60s, that it actually had an intermission, and, and that intermission is still in the replay for watching today. So I had a brief intermission there where we had a, a technical hitch, had some uh, earthquakes where I am this morning, which is uh, but equally fun. <clears throat> so what we're saying is that uh, for an expat, to change their domicile and lose the, the home country's domicile, you need to be abroad under um, uh, international law for 20 years. So inheritance tax is your domicile. It is based upon your domicile. It's where you're from. It's where your parents are from. It's where you're born, or it's where you naturalize your citizenship uh, during your lifetime. Uh, once you have a acquired domicile at birth, to change that, or a, a domicile of origin or birth, to change that, you have to live as a tax resident in another country for at least 17 years. So it can take up to 20 years to change a domicile. Otherwise, you remain uh, liable to your country of birth's uh, domicile. So an expat could own properties in Spain, Portugal, Greece, Cyprus, <coughs> Dubai, Singapore, uh, or Florida. Um, but if it's a British expat, the, the domicile can still apply to that um, estate uh, and it would apply to those global assets. So it applied to all the business and all the property all around the world. Um, so that's the potential of inheritance tax. So um, capital gains tax is payable on any disposal of business or any disposal of property or investments during your lifetime, depending upon your current tax residence. Um, but it could also be a, a, a charge on a fixed uh, asset basis based upon where that real estate is. 
Spain, UK, Cyprus. <clears throat> Depending on where your tax resident is, you can have a, a capital gains or tax assessment in the country where the, you're selling the overseas property, but still have a second uh, assessment back in your home country. Sometimes your tax residents can avoid that capital gains tax assessment. Um, but either way, your, your business across border, your overseas property assets, as well as your home country assets, uh, are going to be liable to some sort of capital gains tax assessment right up until the day you die. And then there's inheritance tax to consider. And if you've not planned ahead over 20 years or more, then that's going to be your country of origin, your country of birth. So for a UK expat, uh, the 40% inheritance tax on the worldwide assets, the overseas investments, the overseas business, the overseas uh, properties in whichever jurisdiction is potentially liable to that inheritance tax on, on those worldwide assets. So it, it, it's clearly, it, it's a 40% tax that's looming. We said earlier that we know we're going to die at some point. Um, so what can we plan to do to avoid inheritance tax and make sure that our wealth, when we no longer need it, passes to our family and not to the tax man? So that's the issues that we're looking at here. <clears throat> now, starting from a UK perspective, um, there's often you get told you can give away 3,000 a year inheritance tax free. And you can, and it's it's nice to do that. But that there are gifts uh, that are exempt each year. So if the UK average um, property is worth around two hundred forty thousand pounds at the moment, the inheritance tax allowance is three hundred twenty five thousand. Um, so you can give away uh, as a UK domicile citizen. 325,000 without inheritance tax, the 40% applies above that, which is, which is quite comforting. So if all your own is your property in the UK and you've got precious little investments uh, and, and a, a defined annuity pension, then you're not going to have a, a, that inheritance tax liability. But if you've got an overseas property and a UK property and a business and investments, um, and a pension that is not being paid as annuity, but it's a managed fund, then you have death taxes that are due. Now, the 325 allowance is for the husband and the wife. So if you're uh, married or with a partner, that's 325 each. And if you've got a UK residential property, which is your main home, you potentially got another 350,000 between you, making that magical 1 million that uh, a couple can hand over uh, inheritance tax-free. Um, it doesn't necessarily apply like that, because if you divorce, uh, the husband and wife exemption won't apply. Um, and, and if you haven't got a main residence in the UK, you don't get to use the 175,000 necessarily. So what, what can we do to plan to avoid those types of inheritance tax? Let's have a look at some of the alternative systems. And I just want to briefly look at two alternatives. Um, Portugal apply a very, very simple system, uh, which on the face of it sounds good. It's 10% flat rate inheritance tax, so it's 10% on everything. 
so there's no no allowances to get confused with. There's no allowances where you can make uh, uh, arrangements for whatever your wealth is at death. You're going to pay ten percent. So um, while a UK expat uh, has got a personal allowance of three hundred twenty-five thousand with zero inheritance tax, as a Portuguese domicile uh, expat, you're going to pay thirty-two thousand inheritance tax on that estate. Um, and so the, the break-even point is actually, you know, quite quite a bit higher. So you, you need to get to four hundred twenty-five thousand um, in the UK, about four hundred fifty thousand UK uh, inheritance tax um, as an estate before you you're paying any more than you would do uh, as a Portuguese um, domiciled inheritance tax. And then you consider a third jurisdiction, Cyprus, uh, the inheritance tax is zero, it's nil, there's nothing. We've already said in our previous webinars that there's no capital gains tax and there's no, um, uh, on, on uh, investments and on personal possessions, uh, there's only a capital gains tax in Cyprus on Cyprus real estate, not overseas real estate, on Cyprus real estate. So, it, it, so there's a capital gains tax on that. There's no inheritance tax at all from day one for uh, a, a UK, a, a Cyprus domicile expat. And, and that's got a number of advantages, which we'll see later on. So um, with, with uh, a million um, pounds of UK, world, uh, UK domicile worldwide assets, You've got no inheritance tax in the UK. You have 100,000 in Portugal, but you'd have zero in Cyprus as well. But in the UK, you need to be married or in a civil partnership, and you need to have a main home uh, in the UK to get access to that. Uh, if you're divorced, single, um, uh, uh, um, or and uh, not got a UK main residence, then your allowance is 325,000 before you start paying tax. So on a, a million pounds that you'd be paying uh, about 200,000 inheritance tax, whereas in Cyprus, a million pound estate, you'd still be paying nil. Uh, and uh, in, in Cyprus, it's 0%, no matter how much. So if you've got a 10 million estate, it's zero inheritance tax, whereas in the UK, you'd be paying 4 million. So quite potentially a lot of um, <clears throat> benefits. So how can you go around and go about planning to avoid inheritance tax? So as we've already alluded to in the UK, I'm going to focus on UK and Cyprus now. As we've alluded to in the UK, um, gifts between spouses are inheritance tax free. And so if you're gifting property um, to, to a spouse, that is tax free. So uh, while an individual has got a 325,000 personal allowance, if they're married or with a partner on, on death, everything can pass to the spouse without inheritance tax applying, but it does apply on the second death. So the allowances carry over uh, and the inheritance tax is not applied until after the second death. So uh, a million pound estate is protected until after the, the widow dies. So 
that, that another way in the UK that you can give a, you can avoid inheritance tax is by giving it to blood relatives. Now, by this, it, it's a very simple and clear definition. It, it, it's blood relatives. It's issue. So, uh, if you're legally married, that that that's one thing. But the the only other people that can benefit are your direct uh, children and their children. So it's children, grandchildren, your bloodline. Um, <clears throat> obviously, with second and third marriages, that can add a level of complication. So um, uh, I, where you've got a second marriage um, with children from two different marriages, the the uh, blood relative of the husband might be a different child to the blood relative of, of, of the wife. And so, again, the estate needs to be carefully planned and organised uh, to make sure that there is no um, tax liabilities. And that means holding it in the right way in the first place. <clears throat> so it is possible to make inheritance tax savings, but that's by making an absolute gift. Now, an absolute gift means you have got to have no um, benefit from the asset afterwards. So uh, somebody with a UK property cannot gift it to their children and then still live in that property or still treat it as their main home. It has to be gifted, absolutely. And obviously with the previous capital gains tax liabilities we discussed, the um, once the property is gifted, uh, there's no inheritance tax, but then the, because it's the second home of the children, there's potential capital gains tax on the disposal of that property, 28% of that gain. So you know, there are issues potentially down the line. So the gift has to be absolute. <clears throat> uh, if an expat owns property in the UK, whether they're British or not, then they need to consider. So any... Um, um, if, if, if an expat is deemed to be non-domicile to the UK, there's still a potential liability uh, to UK-based assets for inheritance tax. So even so, you may have had a residential property portfolio in the UK subject to 28% capital gains tax. That can still become 40% subject to the allowances. And we're talking about individuals here, not, not companies uh, necessarily. <clears throat> so there's lots of different issues. And how we deal with it at ProAct is we consider ourselves to be a family office. We want to take care of family and their business and property uh, across the borders and down the generations. And the way we, one of the ways to do that is to use a family trust. Now, a family trust means that the person putting the money into the trust, the person putting the property into the trust, the person putting the company shares into the trust, is giving the, the, the benefit of that asset away absolutely. Um, um, now, you could give it straight to your children, but then uh, a, a subsequent divorce uh, or illness or death would mean that that, that benefit, that, that asset could be squandered. By putting it in a family trust, it protects uh, the, family, the family's wealth 
whether that's in overseas property, UK property, business shares or investments, it protects that um, no matter what happens. If there's a divorce, if there's a death, if there's a long-term care, a dementia, Alzheimer's issue, if there's um, uh, a divorce of children, for example. So um, if children have got a, um, a, a right to benefit from their, 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 their parent uh, uh, under the inheritance tax rules, uh, while they're still married, to a, a, another spouse, that, that spouse has got a right to that share in that settlement. So if you gift to your daughter and your daughter then gets divorced, the, the wealth that your daughter owns is shared with her divorcing husband. So the man, man can go outside the family uh, uh, in that instance as well. Uh, <clears throat> so there are all these different issues, but if you gift to the family trust, and, and you do it in such a way that it's construed that it's, it's an absolute gift, the family can stay in control of that asset without expensive uh, 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 professional fees, um, but also without the 40% inheritance tax, without the capital gains tax. And also, if you're transferring UK property into a family trust, there's no stamp duty uh, payable either. Um, the trust can then own the property indefinitely. The trust potentially could sell the property as well without a capital gain, uh, depending if it's, it's somebody's uh, main, main, main property. But most importantly, once the family's assets are in trust, they can pass down generation to generation to generation without probate. And if there's no probate administration when somebody dies, and remember, we're all going to die, the parents, the grandparents, the children, the grandchildren, they're all going to die. And each time somebody dies, there's an inheritance tax assessment. But once the property is gifted into trust and you make that arrangement for the family to stay in control, uh, there's no further probate administration down the generations or across the borders. It, the, the trust might have its own tax residency and its own tax identity to deal with, just like a, a, a family company would have to do that. Um, or what, but it, it effectively takes the family's assets and protects them down the generations. So if you look at some uh, notable uh, examples in history, you've got the Wellcome Trust, which is one of the biggest uh, 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 drug companies in the world, but it is a trust. It's based upon a family trust. There's many other examples around around Britain, if you look around the world. Um, <clears throat> so when you see the likes of Elon Musk being criticised for not paying enough tax, because they uh, and Bill Gates, they own assets through foundations, which protect them from, uh, which are American versions of trusts. Um, the Duke of Westminster used to be cited as the richest man in, in England. He never was. He doesn't own anything. Um, the wealth of the uh, Duke of Marlborough, the, the Westminster estate, is all in a trust established by the Duke of Wellington initially um, uh, in, in his um, prime after winning the Battle of Waterloo and, and being prime minister. Uh, and saving the world for the UK. 
Um, <coughs> it's the early form of Brexit, wasn't it? Uh, the the um, uh, Richard Branson, um, you know, again, is using trust arrangements to own property, and it's gone to the extreme length of owning an island uh, <coughs> uh, for his business. And and again. It protects the family's assets across the borders and down the generations. So lots of different opportunities to do that. <clears throat> Where if you save money, um, probate administration in the UK takes around nine months. In other jurisdictions, it can take longer. When you're going cross-border, you've then got to have certification, translations uh, for the different jurisdictions. <clears throat> different rules can apply. Uh, in Norway, for example, inheritance tax is, is charged on the beneficiary, not on the estate. So uh, the beneficiary has to pay the, the, the tax, the inheritance tax anyway, uh, rather than the estate, um, <clears throat> which means that a, a family could inherit a property but have to sell it to pay the tax or have to get a mortgage to pay the tax. So there's lots of different uh, catches the tax meant to have your last grab of your funds. For expats living and working abroad as well, uh, if you've got a self-managed, self-administered uh, pension scheme, um, um, and uh, on death, the, the, the investment fund would suffer uh, a, a tax, and it doesn't even go through the inheritance tax rules, so you could potentially pay a 45, 50% tax uh, on a pension fund uh, to be left uh, where there's no annuity um, uh, for the benefit of the spouse or, or the children uh, in the estate. So this is why we believe, despite the complexities that, that can arise with a trust, by, by planning ahead, um, moving your business and overseas property assets into a family trust and having the family control that, the board of trustees, which are essentially family members making those decisions, uh, you can create the distance to avoid inheritance tax on your estate, and you can um, <clears throat> you can create a, a situation where the, the wealth can pass and be used down the generation by the family. So, if the, if the family owns uh, a Cypress um, villa, once it's gifted to the trust. Uh, and the tax break is made, all the family members can, can, can use that uh, property for their holidays every year. Um, and the grandchildren and their children could do that as well as you now, if you wanted to maintain that portfolio. But it would be the same if, if you've got a, a, a company and you want your children to take over that company and run that, that company, uh, you can avoid the probate and administration uh, either by giving it away absolutely and losing the control or using the family trust to set a legacy that passes on down the generations uh, for you and, and your family, um, uh, protecting you from inheritance tax and the cost of delay of probate uh, when those things happen. Um, family trust also is a useful protection against uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, it can be used solely for that purpose. 
But if in this context, we're talking about expats living and working abroad, planning long-term to change domicile, that they can take action now. They don't have to wait 20 years to be free of inheritance taxes. But by creating a family trust in a, in a jurisdiction where there's no capital gains tax and there's no inheritance tax on gifts uh, to the family, then you can avoid long-term tax on those capital assets. You may still be able to enjoy them as a family, uh, which is okay. Uh, if you draw income, like if you draw dividends from a company, you might pay dividend tax. So there might be a tax at some point if you're drawing income, but to actually just own the assets, you don't need them to be in your name. They can be protected uh, across the borders, down generations, um, for when people die, not if they will die and if they won't die. Um, so those are the considerations we, we consider in planning ahead. By taking the action now, you avoid the cost and delay of probate in one jurisdiction, or if you're owning overseas property or overseas companies, it avoids those as well. It's good uh, planning for the family. It's good uh, administration of your family's wealth, and it protects your children and their children um, from the events that go on, whether there's accidents, divorces, dementia, ill health, um, revolutions. Um, protect your family using the family trust is a way that you, expats can do that as soon as they start uh, living and working abroad. For more information, <clears throat> contact us at productpartnership.com and we can organize a free review to discuss your circumstances but for a free review to all, all our clients. But if you're in the process of relocating abroad, we also offer retained client service and you can join us uh, at an early stage from just 30, 30 pounds a month. And, and get access to our consultants who could advise you on investments, um, uh, legal matters, uh, probates, administration, and running a business and owning property, um, and creating a family trust that will protect you and your family across borders and down generations. Thanks for listening and, and join us next time. In January, the weekly Wednesday webinar is gonna be covered looking at UK tax for expats with the UN tax submission deadline coming up at the end of January. It's very topical. We're looking at the changes that have been introduced and are coming into force in 2022. So happy new year. Uh, I've started 2022 already. Uh, hope it's going to be a good one for all of us. Uh, contact us uh, and discuss how you can protect your family, business and overseas property um, from uh, inheritance tax uh, at productpartnership.com. And we'll see you again for the next uh, Wednesday webinar. Thank you.